Um, and I usually cry, if you don't know me, when I give my testimony or anything like that. And I ask the Lord about it because I don't want to be just a soulish, emotional kind of Christian. Um, but I cry because I get overwhelmed by the goodness of God. And the Lord assured me that that is not a bad thing. Um, so bear with me this morning. Amen. Uh, we're going to look at the Word of God and see even more of His goodness. So chances are I may shed a tear again, but we will get there. So I'm a bit different in my delivery. We all are um, to each other. But the Word is the Word. It never changes. It's full of power. It's alive and active. And that that is what changes us on the inside. So um, the Holy Spirit's been ministering to me. I didn't even realize for this, but from months ago. So um, I'm really thankful. And this morning he's just confirmed the word multiple times to reassure me. He's so good. He's so faithful to us. Um, Pastor Dora asked me to share today. I asked her what subject, and she said, the power of living by divine connections. So what exactly is a divine connection? Divine means of or relating to God. So godly, from God, by God. Connection is a relationship in which a personal thing is linked or associated with something else. So simply a relationship from God. These are our divine connections. And I'm just going to put a little disclaimer in here at the very start. I don't believe all of our connections or relationships are from God. So it's vital that we are led by the Holy Spirit when it comes to our relationships. Proverbs 12:26 says, the righteous should choose his friends carefully. So that's us. We're the righteous. Praise the Lord. We need to choose our friends carefully. And there are times in our lives when we meet people that God doesn't want us connecting with. There's people that it's like they suck the life out of you. They draw you away from God. You know, there's relationships that we shouldn't be entangling ourselves in. And um, when it comes to those relationships, I mean, the Bible warns us about false prophets, warns us about, you know, people who look like sheep, they're wolves in sheep's clothing. The answer to these ungodly connections is actually really simple, and it's stay away from them, cut them off. Don't give them your time. That's different. They're ungodly connections. But today I'm sharing on godly connections, divine relationships. And you need to know which are which. So simply ask God. Ask your pastor. She's she's there to... Um, watch over us and guard over us, have a chat with her. If there's a connection or a relationship in your life you're not sure about, ask your pastor, ask your leaders. The Holy Spirit will tell you and you will know. But today we're talking about divine connections. So one of the phrases that I hear all the time is, it's a small world. I'm sure you've heard that before. Something happens, you meet someone, you get chatting and you find out that they know Rara back from 10 years ago and I was there and all of that, and someone goes, it's a small world. And I used to say that. And then one day the Holy Spirit said to me, is it? And I went, no, it's not a small world. And I want you to have a look at how big the world actually is. So we've got the live population counter, because I I thought I had an idea of how many people are in the world. Um, I looked it up, and it was estimated that by 2022 there would be 
um, eight billion. So this is right now on the internet. This is the current world population, and you can see there it's got it's going up, and it's sort of it, well actually it just really goes up. It pauses for a second, and when you look underneath it, it's got like births. So you can see how many people are being born every second, and you can actually see on there how many people are dying. So the the rate of births is quicker than the rate of people dying. Um, and that's why our population is going up. 7,971,994,600 gone. It's already in the 700s. That's how fast the, the population is growing. That's how big the world actually is. So what's the chances of us meeting someone at a perfect time for a, for a perfect moment in a world of nearly 8 billion people. It's not a small world. Every time I hear that now, it's like, boom, God is so big. God is so perfect. He connects us. So it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. When I was given this word, this topic by Pastor Dora, the, I, at first I thought, oh, what am I going to share? And then over the past weeks, it's just like, God is so awesome. The way that he connects us is absolutely amazing. He knows how to put us together perfectly. And actually, the Bible calls the earth Jesus's footstool, you know. So our God is rather big. He's got his footstool. There's about 8 billion people there. Amen. You see, I don't believe in coincidence. As soon as someone says to me, it's just a coincidence, my heart jumps up and goes, okay, Lord, what are you doing? I don't believe in coincidence. I don't believe in luck. I believe in God and his connections. And as soon as I hear it's a coincidence, I think, oh, thank you, Lord. I know you're doing something. Or if it's an ungodly connection, I still say the same thing. I say, thank you, Jesus. Because sometimes there are targeted attacks in our lives. And the enemy tries to get us entangled with the wrong people. But even in those circumstances, I say, thank you, Jesus, because you've given us the victory. You're with me. You lead me. You will help me in this situation. Amen. There's so many examples in the Bible of divine connections. If you go back, if you know your Bible, if you don't, I encourage you to get stuck into your Bible. It's, it's amazing. You think of people like Joseph, Moses. Ruth, Esther, they're all amazing examples of divine connections. And you know what? Some of those connections didn't look like good connections. You think of Joseph, but God turned him around for good. And that's what he does for us. That's what he constantly does. He never changes. God sees the big picture. He's omnipresent, 8 billion people. Like he's all over it. He's he's so much bigger than we give him credit for. He's awesome. Now think about Joseph. If you don't know this story, um, you can go home afterwards and read it for the sake of time. I didn't use this passage. I used a different one. But he was hated by his brothers. He was hated. I don't mean just I hate you like our siblings, our children sometimes do. He was hated by his brothers. They wanted to kill him, most of them. One wanted to save him, try to save him, but he was sold. He became a slave and then he became a prisoner after he was wrongly accused. He was forgotten by the people that he helped in prison, but he wasn't forgotten by God. He was promoted 
conquered the palace and became the second most powerful man in the world under Pharaoh, which is even amazing in itself because Egyptians wouldn't even eat with the Israelites. They didn't have any regard for the Israelites. But he became second under the most powerful man in the world at that time. And by the end of the famine that came upon the land, that Pharaoh owned everything. He owned all of the land, all of the money, even the people were indebted to him. That is how God prospered them because of Joseph. God placed Joseph there for a purpose. Every single connection God used, even though the enemy, it would have looked like was trying to harm him. I can't imagine being in prison back in those days. I can't imagine being a slave back in those days. I don't even want to be a maid these days. Back in those days, it would have been horrible. But even in prison, he had favor. Even in Potiphar's house, he had favor. He kept his integrity. He kept his attitude right before God. And when he looked back at the end, after all the trials, all the hardships, all the challenges, he saw God's hand through it all. In Genesis 45 verse 8, we're going to read that together. That's Genesis 45 verse 8. It says, so now it was not you who sent me here, but God, and he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. So Joseph knew that it was God all through his story and his life. That's how awesome God is. And he turned it all around for good. I'm just going to... Take this moment to share a testimony that happened to us um, at the start of this year. I asked for Noah's permission. Um, he, he didn't want to share, so I'll share on his behalf. But it really ministered to my whole family about how awesome God is. So Noah finished school last year, um, and he was looking at what he wanted to do after school. So he, his older brother, Tyler, is an uh, electrician. He finished his apprenticeship last year um so he did his four years and he graduated and he finished and the place that Tyler was with the company had to um he had to finish up there so then he was just out on his own during the end of the year on his last day um at electro group where he did the capstone that's the big test that electricians have to do um he did he did his test and he passed and as he was leaving he inquired at the office about whether they were doing any more apprenticeships because he was thinking of Noah and Noah had been talking about it. Um, and she said, oh, is he like you? Because they love Tyler. He's a good boy, my big boy. I said, is he like you? And he said, yeah, he's like me. He's well-mannered. He's got a good work ethic. You know, you'll, you'll love him. I said, all right. So they sent him out the email and he um, applied to do the test and he went and did the first test. Um, and he, he failed the first test. He got 62%, I believe. Okay. You got to get 70 to pass. So, um, he, he didn't do well in that one. So they, they actually said to him, well, we'll give you another chance, you know, cause they know Tyler. So they said, we'll give you another go. So he, he had another go and Tyler had been coming over and, and helping him to study and tutor him. 
And he went for the second test. And we had been praying. Church had been praying. Pastor all the powerful prayer warriors had been praying for him to get this apprenticeship. And Kerry and myself had been praying. And um, I actually found out before him. Tyler found out. But we just waited till they spoke to him first. And they rang him and they said, you failed again. You got the same score. But what you did this time was you actually answered a lot of the questions correctly but then you second-guessed yourself and you crossed it out and wrote the wrong answer. So he, he had improved. And he's clever. He's a clever boy. So it was more he was nervous, I would say, about this test. And he was really gutted after that. He was like, no, I'm not doing it. But I encouraged him and I said, you know what? They're offering you a third go at this. They don't offer people three goes at this test. Like they're willing to give you another go. To me. That says, while the door is open, you just keep going. Until God closes that door, you keep going. So we prayed again. We encouraged him. He put in the work again. And he went the third time. And the third time, well, you can see him in the picture. So obviously, he passed the third time, praise the Lord. And he actually got a really high score. And they had said, that's strange that you went from 62% up to, I can't remember what it was, but he did really well. It was there all the time for him, you know. So he got the apprenticeship, and the start of this year he started TAFE. When he started TAFE, um, he had a time at the very beginning in the first week where he really struggled, and it was hard for him. And um, we had been praying for him. I think that it was a time where it was a bit overwhelming. He wasn't sleeping, you know, he wasn't eating very well. He wasn't himself. And Tyler had said to me, mum, what's going on with Noah? He's not himself. I said, I know. We'd need to just pray for him and, and believe the Lord. And he did the first little bit of TAFE. It was still struggling. And then he started on the job site and it was in the city. And he was with the tradie who was nice. Um, but he was still struggling every day. And we had been praying, Kiri and I, and the church. And we had been really praying that he would get a tradie that would take him under his wing and just really look after him and be patient with him and kind and, you know, and really show him. Because sometimes tradies just think apprentices know what to do and just leave you with it. And anyway, and this had been about two or two and a half months since Tyler had had work. Tyler got linked up with another agency. It was an electric group, completely different agency. And he rang me this day and he said, Mum, they've found me a place. So I start on Monday. He said, it's in the city. What building is Noah at? And I said, oh, I can't remember what it was, this address. And he goes, that's where I'm starting. And I went, oh. And I was just like, thank you, Lord. He can pick him up and he can take him to work. And when they finish, he can bring him home and it'll just be like a reassurance for Noah, like someone, you know, his big brother with him. I was like, Wow, and these companies weren't related. Come Monday, they get to work, and I get a photo mid-morning. This is the photo. And Noah had walked in that morning and gone to his tradie, and his tradie said to him, oh, no, you're with the new guy today. He's going to be your tradie. So Noah was actually the apprentice for Tyler for the next month at that company. And that just blew us away. We Like, you can't deny that that is the hand of God. And how good is he? Like, 
his big brother as his tradie. It was awesome. And that was enough to really minister to Noah that God's, God's got you. God's in control. And walked him through the next four weeks. And then Noah went off to another tradie, another company, you know. But God brought him through that time so faithfully. Just blew me away. This is a world of 8 billion people. And these are two separate companies. And how does he end up as his tradie? But God. That is how God works. Amen? That's how awesome he is. I was so overwhelmed. And then a couple of months ago, I was driving home from work and I was listening to a vision radio and there was a a preacher on there preaching and he was telling the story about the cross and that's what we're going to look at today. And he was speaking about the thief on the cross who got saved and how selfless it was of Jesus in that time when he was in such pain to, you know, think of someone else and not himself and how we should be like that. And the Holy Spirit just jumped up on the inside of me and gave me this revelation and I'm going to share it with you today. So it all goes back to the the cross. Now the story of the cross is found in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. All four Gospels mention the two robbers, criminals, thieves, They all have different words for them that were crucified with Jesus. There was one on the left and there was one on the right. Now, what what is amazing is this is all planned beforehand. This is how God divinely connects us. If you look at Mark 15 verse 28, it reads, So the scripture was fulfilled which says he was numbered with the transgressors. That scripture, and he was numbered with the transgressors, comes from Isaiah 53, verse 12. That is where that scripture comes from, right in the middle towards the end. It says, and he was numbered with the transgressors. This was planned long ago, and even before then. We know that our God planned everything long before. The cross to the Romans, so the Romans would crucify people, all different ways. Um, I, I read a bit of the history about crucifixion. It was designed to be the most torturous and painful way to die, but also the most humiliating to deter anyone else from committing a crime. And I imagine that back in those days, if we lived then, there would be very little crimes that we would commit in fear of being crucified. But... It's interesting to note that a lot of the Romans were disgusted by crucifixion, didn't really want it to be associated with them, so didn't record lots of the crucifixions that took place. But there are some, and I don't know, and it doesn't say, how exactly they all took place, whether it was in, you know, there was one record of a a massive crucifixion of like there was hundreds of them that were crucified across, Uh, along a big stretch. It was like 200 kilometers or something. They were Israelites. There was another um, crucifixion, you know, where there was quite a number of people. But the Bible just talks at this moment of the cross about the three, the criminal on the left, the criminal on the right, and Jesus in the middle. So let's have a look at it. We'll go to Luke 23. So this is the only place that we find this amazing exchange. It's only recorded in Luke. 
and it's been preached about for centuries. Most of us have read it many times, but let's have another look at it. So we're going to start at verse 32. And there were also two other, um, actually I'm going to read my version, but follow, it's very similar. There were also two other criminals led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots, and the people stood looking on. But even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other, answering, rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Now what the Holy Spirit ministered to me was this exchange, this moment was divinely planned by God. This was a like this thief, we don't say lucky, but how blessed he was to be on the cross at this moment next to Jesus Christ. And what a father, what a father God is to Jesus. In this moment, he would have been in the most agony, in the darkest hour, and God gave him a soul. That was the whole point of the cross, was for souls. And in this moment, in his, his biggest trial, his biggest challenge, like you can't comprehend what that cross was like for him when all of our sin was on his sinless being. You can think about it. It will overwhelm you like it overwhelmed me, but you, we can't comprehend it. And in this moment, God had planned for him to have someone saved right there next to him. You know what it's like when you're struggling as a Christian or you're struggling in your ministry and that happens? It's like, whoa. That's the reason for it all. Salvation, that's the whole story of salvation on that cross. But God planned that moment for Jesus, reminding him why, reminding him what it was all about. He said it was the joy that was set before him. That's how he endured the cross. God is awesome. What a father. It's Father's Day. You don't get a better father than God himself. God planned those connections back before Isaiah. The God we serve, when it's all falling apart, when life gets hard and scary, when it gets cold and dark, he gives us exactly what we need in those moments. He's done this for me so many times. He's connected me to the right people 
so many times. I wouldn't be here today. If you go back and you hear my testimony, I came out of religious scrupulosity and it was like hell on earth. But God brought me through that and he used the people in my life that he connected me to to get me through that time and to where I am today. I'm so thankful. He is so faithful. And he's connected us to each other for a purpose. There's power in connection, there's protection, there's provision. We're made to be connected. Like I was saying, how blessed was that thief? Talk about right place, right time. Because after that, it's, it's, we're limited. Salvation is on offer for a limited time. So that was amazing that God put him right there. And I just want to take this moment... Um, I just feel led to share this, but I just want to let you know that when Jesus promised him salvation, he didn't give him a ticket. That's the kind of Christian I used to be. I used to be like, I just want a ticket. I just want to know, am I saved? You know, like, am I going to heaven? Are you sure? Because, like, I'm imperfect like everyone else. And these are the thoughts. That's religious scrupulosity. You're never good enough. You don't have enough faith. You're not going to get there. God doesn't love you. That's what it is over and over. But I was like, Lord, if you just gave me a ticket, you know, if you got a ticket, you'd be like, I got my pass. You'd hang on to that pass. Physically, we don't get a ticket. All right. When we get saved, nothing physical happens, but he gives us his word and you can always count on his word. God stays true to his word. And I used to fear death. I was terrified of it for years as a Christian. I still feared death. I was terrified of sickness because sickness leads to death. And that's what they say. All fears go back to the fear of death. And I was terrified of it. And I knew that something was wrong in me because why should I be terrified if I believe that I'm saved and God's got me? So I had to really look and I just cried out and I asked God and I said, Lord, help me. Like, I know this is wrong. You don't want me to fear death. You don't want me to fear sickness. You don't want me to fear. So help me with this. And then, you know, the Lord gave me scriptures and he really ministered to my heart. And then I had, um, he took me to a story. And I don't even know if this is true, but it's about a doctor and a patient. And the patient was asking the doctor who's a Christian, you know, how come you're not scared of death, you know? Like he was terrified, this patient. And and the doctor said to him, well, can you hear that noise? And what that noise was, was his little puppy was scratching at the door of his office. And it was like, bring your dog to work day or something like that. I can't remember how it came about. This little puppy scratching at the door. And he said, you hear that? He said, that's my new puppy. He said, and he does, he's never been in this room before. He doesn't know what's in this room, but he can hear my voice. So he knows I'm in this room. And I'm his master, and that's all he knows. And when you open the door, he's just going to jump through it. He's excited. He knows I'm here. He's just going to jump through that door and to me. And it's the same with death. You don't have to fear it. It's like when that door opens, all you need to know is your master, Jesus, is on the other side of that door. Amen? And that changed the way I thought about death. Amen? Now, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say I never have moments where I go, oh, what will it be like? But 
I don't look at that. I'm focused on something else. I'm focused on him. And I've got a mission to do here. I've got a job to do. And then I go to heaven. So that's way that's in the future anyway. But back to divine connections. So it fascinates me that God made man, put him in the garden, and then in Genesis 2, verse 18. Let's go there. Genesis 2, verse 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. We're made to live connected by divine godly connections. So back in those days, there's only two of them. Can you imagine if they didn't like each other? God, why'd you put me with this husband for? (laughs) Wouldn't have got very far. But they knew that they were made for each other. Eve was made to be a helpmate for Adam. It's the same for us. We need helpmates. I'm not talking about ten wives or girlfriends. I'm talking about each other, sisters, brothers in the church. We need each other. That's the way that we are designed. And that's where church comes in. And the church you join to is not a coincidence either. I don't believe that. I didn't come into this church by coincidence. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12, 18. 1 Corinthians 12, 18. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. So it's God that sets us together. He connects us. He puts us together, every single one of us, just as he pleased. He knows our our ins and outs. Like he knows your strengths. He knows your weaknesses. He knows the talents you've he's given you. And he just perfectly fits us together like perfect pieces of a puzzle. He knows how to do that. He also knows what's coming in your life. And he knows who you're going to need around you during those times. And that's why I believe that being connected to the church where he has placed you is more important than being connected to a church that you like. Amen? You can be in the biggest, best, most beautiful singing, lights, camera, action, everything church in the world, but if God hasn't actually placed you there and he doesn't want you there, you're never going to fulfill your calling. You're never going to have peace. You're never going to have power. You're just going to live miserable most of that time. Even though on the outside it may look all good. You need to be where God has put you. That is so important. Remember, it's not us that puts ourselves in church. It's God that sets the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleases. Now, there are a thousand ways to do church. But where he placed you is because he knows how to connect you. He has this perfect way of netting us together. You notice how often in relationships you get one that's loud and one's one that's quiet, like we balance each other out, you know. You get one that's strong, one that's soft. I, I see it in marriages a lot, very different. It's, and it's funny because we often say Rahira and David, we're very good friends with them, and Rahira will do something. I'll be like, you're so like Kerry. You're just so like him. And then David will do something and she'll be like, you're so like Sarah, (laughs) you know. I'm like, yeah, that's right. And I know how David thinks. He knows how I think, you know. And Rue and Kiri often think the same. And then it's funny because she's like one of my best friends. But it's the same. He knows how to put us side by side for his purpose. We are called 
like the fishing net. Um, and the thing about the fishing net, what is the purpose of divine connections? Where is the power of living by divine connections? You think of the fishing net. What happens when you cut one of the connections of a fishing net? You create a hole. It doesn't become as effective, does it? Now you disconnect another one. There's another hole. Now you've disconnected this one, do the one next to it. It's an even bigger hole. You know, there's no power in that fishing net. And it's the same with our connections. We need to get connected where God wants us and then stay connected where he wants us. If we go to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 to 12, this is the reason that living by divine connections holds so much power. It says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. If they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falls. He has not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. We always apply that scripture often in the church to marriage. But this is just connection. Being connected to God and it's being connected to each other. And when we stand together, we are stronger. As a church, we are stronger together. Amen? I know I'm called to this church. I've got no doubt in my mind. But it doesn't mean there's times where I haven't wanted to leave. Relationships in church, divine connections go through some things. Divine godly relationships go through some things. Even in church, I've met people I wouldn't normally gravitate towards. And I've learned now, I laugh, because God will put someone, you know, in church or, or, or um, beside me that I don't naturally like sometimes. Like I just, there's something about this person. You could say that this person rubs me up the wrong way. And the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. That's Proverbs 20, 27 verse 17. There are people sometimes that God connects us to who challenge us. It's not a bad thing. It's good for us sometimes to be challenged. All right. By nature, we want things our way. We learn to be humble by not always getting things our way. It's good for us to hear other people's perspectives, uh, advice, input. You know, everyone has something to offer. And the thing is, this morning, it was quite funny because I was getting ready and I feel a lot of pressure to be up here and to share the word, but I know that it's not me. I know that it's the Lord, so I couldn't say no. I, I thought about it and Daphne said, I thought you were going to say no. I said, I can't say no, I have to say yes. So here I am because if the Lord asks me to do something, I just want to do it faithfully, you know. Anyway, so I was getting ready though and I realized that um, my eyebrows were terrible. Anyway. And I was like, Lord, my eyebrows are shocking. I don't have time to fix them. What am I going to do? And the Holy Spirit said, you're a long way from people. They won't even see them. And then he said, and I don't shine the spotlight on your faults either. And I said, thank you, Lord. And he said, and you shouldn't shine the spotlight on anyone else's faults either. Your eyes should be on me. But if you are looking at other people, you should be looking at other people to help them, to support them, 
to pray for them, to find a way that you can help lift them up. Because that's what God does. That's his business. And that's what we're called to do in church. Not to be critical, but to help one another. Amen? Amen. So even connections that you, people that you wouldn't normally gravitate towards, doesn't mean it's not a godly connection. All right? He needs to sharpen us up. The best way for him to do that is to put someone beside us that challenges us. The problems that happen in our relationships don't come from God. Jealousy, betrayal, unforgiveness, misunderstandings, they're not a part of God's nature at all. Anyone who knows God, you know he's the complete opposite of that. He is faithful, kind, merciful, good. I could stand here all day. But in his perfection, I believe he even foresees these issues happening with some people he connects us to. Not for the reason that we think or we ask, you know, like, why would you let them do this to me? How could you let them treat me like that? We need reminding how good God is. You go back to the cross. Every single one of our godly connections is for our good. They refine us. Our connections are there to encourage us, empower us, and push us closer to God, even the people you struggle with. It shouldn't be about how do I change them. It should be about, Lord, what is it in me? Change me. So people and their whatever it is that I perceive as an issue doesn't affect me. Just help me love them because that's what God does. He loves us. So the church, the enemy has really messed up the church. He's twisted it into religion. A lot of people have been hurt in church. I know that. And it's really sad. But the church was designed by God to be a safe place. We call it a sanctuary. This was designed to be a place where we could all different people love each other, be different, and that's okay, and make mistakes. You should be able to make mistakes and not feel like everyone is criticizing you or judging you. That is not the God that we serve. He is so merciful to us. I'm so glad he doesn't treat me like sometimes I treat other people. Not, I'm, I'm not bad. I'm not terrible. But sometimes, you know, thoughts come. Not my thoughts. I don't like them. I have to deal with them. I have to change my attitude towards other people. That's part of church life. All right. Sometimes the Holy Spirit may warn me about something. Like if there's a person, he may be, don't give them money. You know, because when I was a new Christian, I used to be like, you've got to just bless everyone, you know. And we had a neighbor, and this neighbor was one of those ones that, like, just give and give. Uh, what is it? Not the other, not give the other way. Take, 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 you know, take, 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 take all the time. And, I, you know, I wanted to bless her until the Holy Spirit said, stop. You're just enabling this bad behavior. Stop, stop doing that. You've, you've, you have blessed her, but stop giving her money, you know. So I found other ways to still bless her, but wasn't allowing her in our connection to keep taking from me. And even in that relationship, you know, like the Holy Spirit never said anything bad about someone else. Like, I don't know about you, but I've never heard the Holy Spirit. Even when I'm so angry at my husband, he's a good husband. Even when I'm so angry at him, I've never heard the Holy Spirit saying, too right, (laughs) slap him. (laughs) I've never heard the Holy Spirit saying, that is so true. He shouldn't be doing that. That is not how our 
our God works, all right? All I've heard the Holy Spirit say, sometimes I get frustrated, love him, bless him, give him the best dinner. Oh, I want to give him the littlest piece. Like, give him the biggest piece. That is how the Holy Spirit speaks to me and how he he has taught me to love other people because that's how he loves us. He doesn't give us what we deserve. He is just all love. He's so good. Amen? All right. Even my kids. He's their fiercest defender. They should be very thankful. Holy Spirit always says, love them, pray for them, bless them, be kind to them, be gentle with their heart as parents. Pastor Dora has been ministering to that that to me for years and even recently. Love them. Love them, be kind to them, bless them, talk to them. Amen. It's the same with our brothers and sisters in church, our pastors and leaders. All of our connections are from God and it's so important we continue to come to church and be fed and nurture those relationships. It's God first and then each other. So you need to be connected and stay connected. And I wanted to share, you know, the Bible says a lot about abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Um, you know, be rooted and grounded, planted, living stones, all of those um, references. And what happens when you disconnect any of those? Any plant you disconnect, you know, any tree you, you uproot, um, they, they lose their life. They shrivel up. Being connected in church, being connected um, by God to Jesus, he is the way, the truth, and the life. He doesn't want us connected so he can lord over us. That is not the type of father that he is. He wants us connected because that's where we come alive. That's where the life is. That's where the power is. Being connected, being connected to Jesus and being connected to each other. Amen? The Bible encourages us in Hebrews 10.24. It says, Hebrews 10.24, at the time. Oh, I'm doing well. The Bible encourages us and says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. And the day is approaching. So it's a good reminder to concentrate on what is most important. What God really wants. You know what God really wants? Divinely connecting us together. What is he after? The same as on that cross, he wants people saved. He connects us together to be a church, to be that fishing net. He wants souls. He wants people. He's not after money or fame. He wants people. He loves people. Every part of his being loves people. And time is running out. So he needs us as the church to love like he loves. He's planned this perfectly. He planned Water Springs Faith Church perfectly. He connected you perfectly here. I believe that. When we see, when we love people, people see God in us. 
The Bible says that people will know us by a love that we have for each other. That's what stands out. Godly people, you stand out when you love people and when you love each other. And the world takes notice. I know very well that non-Christians watch Christians closely, especially when hard times come, especially when conflicts come. My family watch me. They want to know how I'm going to react, how I'm going to respond because I am the Christian. I'm the one that says I have been saved by God. I know God, the creator of heaven and earth. So they watch me for a response. And it's the same. Non-Christians watch you as Christians in the church for your response, how you live your life. And that's why it's good to be together and have that strength and that encouragement and that prayer covering, that power. There are times when I pray and and um, I pray all the time. What am I saying? I pray all the time. But there are times when I know I need to ask Pastor Dora to pray for me because there is a covering in the church and she is the pastor and there is a power in that covering. And I've learned from experience that it is better to tell her sooner than later. Amen? Amen. Um. That is a perfect example of why we need to be divinely connected. The Bible says that faith, hope, and love are the greatest of the, oh, and the greatest of these is love. I want to say God doesn't need rich and famous. Um, everyone on Instagram, Twitter, all of those things, what do they want? Followers. Isn't it ironic that the world wants followers? Jesus says, follow me. You know, all the youth out there, I'm not saying it's terrible. Just follow the right people, not the wrong people. Make sure you're following the right people. And don't look for followers yourself. You don't need followers. Amen. All you need is Jesus. He doesn't need perfect. He doesn't need super spiritual. God just needs willing. Willing to love people he connects us to, like real love, like be real, like love them. Pray for them, bless them, stand beside them, stand in the gap for them, believe the best of them, like really, genuinely, sincerely love people. I've had conversations with people and I know they're not even listening to me. You're telling them something and you know their mind is elsewhere. That's not loving people. Really, genuinely love people. I have um, an uncle who comes to see us. Actually, he's coming next weekend. Really love him and a really beautiful, lovely man of God. And the thing I love about him is he always speaks to my kids. Like he's genuinely interested in them. And he remembers from last time he saw them, even though it might be a year or longer ago. And he's like that with everyone. And he just really cares for people. And I want to be that kind of person. You really care for people. They know because they want to be around you. God wants you to do well. He wants to be your father and what a good father he is. I just go back to the cross. Like how good is he? How good is he? How well he he just like, oh, his love for Jesus and then his love for us. It's Father's Day. I don't know your circumstances. You know, I know there's people without fathers. There's people who don't have good fathers as far as earthly fathers go. You know, um, there's so many different kinds of relationships but the one you can count on is when he is your father amen all right i'm i'm 
so good. I didn't know how long this was going to take, but I'm ahead of myself. So I'm just going to ask um, everyone can bow their heads and close their eyes. And this is an important moment. So this morning there is a Father's Day special on offer for anyone here who isn't a Christian. And the truth is it's not just today, but like I said, it is for a limited time only, and God doesn't want you to miss out. The Bible says that Jesus is standing at the door of your heart right now. He's knocking and he wants to come in. He wants to change your life. He offers healing, peace, wisdom, protection. He's going to provide for you, guide you, lead you. Free counseling, eternal home, streets are made of God, and all suffering ends. Jesus is offering right now his forgiveness for everything you've done wrong. He offers a friendship like the best. He's the most faithful friend you'd ever know. And there's more. I just don't have enough time to tell you. So if that's you this morning and you would like to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you would like God to be your father, I just want you to put your hand up. If you don't know him, As your father, just raise your hand and I'm going to pray with you. Anyone here who's not a Christian? Amen. I'm looking at everyone and I believe everyone knows the Lord. If not, don't miss this chance. Just put your hand up or come afterwards um, and see me and I'll pray with you. The best thing about Salvation and the offer is that it's free. Jesus paid the price when he was on that cross. Amen? Amen. Um, I hope that word really blessed you. It just, it, it really blessed me. Just to see the way that God, like there's so many more testimonies I could give you of how he's divinely connected me. And if I look back at my life, I can see them now. Often I can't see it when I'm in it, but I look back now and I see them. And there was a quote, they say it was Albert Einstein, but I don't believe it was. And he says, if you, if you look, you'll see God everywhere or you won't see him at all. It's a bit like that. When I look back at my life, I see God all through. And I mean, even before I came to church, even before I got saved, I see God, God's hand way back even when I was young. I met Kiri in grade six and he rejected me, wouldn't go to the dance with me, said no. Actually, he put my letter inviting him to the dance in grade seven in his science book and handed it into the teacher for something. It was the teacher that gave it back to me with that letter, and I was so embarrassed, but I've forgiven him since. And we have been married. We got married in this church by Pastor Dora. Thank you, Pastor Dora. And we were married. We've been married nearly 20 years. Amen? That is how God... How awesome he is. Remember, it's a world of 8 billion people, but God is bigger than that. Amen. All right, we're going to go into a time of tithe and offering.